Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. I sit here in Key West, Florida. I do the show every Tuesday night. Uh, and I, I feel I'm sitting here at the southernmost point in the United States on a little island, 25,000 people. Uh, we're overloaded with people. I wonder when the day is going to come that we're going to sink into the ocean. And tonight, with this little show I have, which has quite a following, I know the numbers increase every week and even goes beyond the United States, uh, but I never thought I'd get to say I have breaking news. And I must say it tonight, I'm, I'm not trying to be a show-off or anything, but I have breaking news. And these three things I'm going to share with you, you may not know. I just learned them in the last hour. So let's get going. Barbara Bush, first lady of the land for many years, first mother of the land, died tonight at age 92. She was the wife of one president, the mother of another, a class act, an independent woman, a mother, a grandmother, a great-grandmother. May she rest in peace. The second item of breaking news, I'm sure is causing turmoil to Donald Trump today. He's probably moaning and groaning all over the golf course in Mar-a-Lago. And that's this. Justice Neil Gorsuch, the only appointment he has had so far to the United States Supreme Court, a purportedly an ultra-conservative judge. I'm laughing and smiling as I say this. He was sure he had found the right kind of judge in this man. Well, he just blew him out today. The Supreme Court uh, entered its decision today in the case of Sessions, and I'm referring to Attorney General Jeffrey Jefferson Beauregard uh, Sessions, uh, in the case of Sessions versus DeMaia. Uh, he voted with the liberal bloc, making the decision five to four in favor of throwing out a certain deportation law of the Trump administration. I think this is wild. Uh, it was a five to four decision. His vote was the deciding vote. It could, the case concerned deporting people convicted of some kinds of crimes. This decision, the decision was. And he wrote, the judge wrote this in his, his part of the decision, quote, vague laws invite arbitrary power. Vague laws invite arbitrary power. He considered the statute too vague. And you can't have vague laws because nobody knows what the hell they're following. And he threw it out. He voted to throw it out with the majority. He was part of the majority. And the key thing is, he says, vague laws invite what? arbitrary power and who is guilty of arbitrary power all over the place this past year donald trump i find this whole thing extremely amusing that his man on the supreme court has just voted against him in a an immigration case and trump considers any of these immigration cases landmark cases improperly so so that's the other item of breaking news now comes Sean Hannity. Uh, this guy's a beauty. I've got to say this. Uh, we, we saw what happened yesterday. Michael Cohen's third client announced an open card with Sean Hannity. 
Well, Hannity immediately issued a statement and was on TV last night. I'm not his client. There is no attorney-client relationship. You know, I, I've never paid him any money. I never hired him. He never sent me an invoice. I may have asked him once or twice or whatever, whatever number of times uh, in social gatherings uh, a question to which he gave me a response. I would consider whatever he told me confidential, but there was no attorney-client relationship. We know that Hannity is the man that Trump listens to every morning on television, and Hannity is the one who is directing who is directing the thought process of Donald Trump on what to do with world affairs and national affairs. I don't have to describe it for you. You all know it. The media tells it to you every day. He gets his directions from Hannity on Fox News. Well, Cohen is the president's attorney, has been his attorney for 11 or 12 years. I believe, actually, his only client is, is the president, but he had a case for somebody else, one case, I think, involving a million six, so it was important. He fixed another case involving sex. And he's got Hannity, he claimed, because he needed clients in that courtroom. The judge says, who are your clients? The government says, you're not really a lawyer. You don't have clients. So Hannity, in shame, he's saying, this is not correct. This is false. Fox issued a statement this afternoon backing him up. And lo and behold, what comes up tonight is that two others, two other attorneys have also been Hannity's attorney. Now, on the surface, nothing wrong with that. But because all this is becoming an issue, who represents who here, it gets very confusing. He should be open about it and admit this. Uh, the two attorneys are Victoria Tonsing. Uh, she's the lawyer who just got Scooter Libby the pardon, and she and her husband, Joseph DiGenova, were considered for the Trump team a couple of weeks ago and then had conflicts of interest and could not directly work uh, on the case uh, involving Mueller, but are still doing work, as I understand it, for the president and other areas. So there's Victoria. That's one of his lawyers. And the other is Joseph is it Ciclo, 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 Ciclo. And he's the only lawyer that Trump has left the Ciclo. All the other lawyers have left. He's supposed to be a good lawyer, but he doesn't try cases in the criminal field or the white-collar crime field. He's from North Carolina or someplace. But the president likes him, and he's got respect. He actually isn't too not-for-profit things. He runs two not-for-profit operations and makes a ton of money doing it. Now, Sukolo and Tissing both signed a letter on May 25, 2017. Uh, this is just last year, president's president at the time. Uh, they signed this letter for Hannity, though, as his consul for Sean Hannity. Both of them signed over that consul for Sean Hannity. The item was a bullshit item, okay? It was a cease and desist letter to a Tulsa, Oklahoma radio station. Sounds big already. Uh, a conservative activist, a woman, had said on a show of this particular radio station that Hannity had been, quote, creepy, creepy towards her and invited her to his room. Oh, my God. 
these Republicans are all alike. <laughs> Shade, you know, birds of a feather flock together, shades of Donald Trump. Uh, and what's further funny, if this is true, and I don't know if it is, he invited this woman to his room, acted creepy. Uh, but this is a man, Sean Hannity, who constantly on his television show blasts the Clintons and the Obamas for their and I quote, immoral ways. The man's a hypocrite. And he's going to get defecated on tomorrow because they didn't say he was involved. This was the small things. Uh, his, his, these people signing letters for him. But he should bring this all out. Why do these people hide? This is a garbage item. It means nothing. But once you hide it and somebody finds out about it, it becomes a big deal because you chose to keep it secret. Uh, you can't do business that way in this world today. That's the end of breaking news. Now, I was going to start the show tonight with the following term, which most of you have heard in your lifetime. Woe the web we weave when first we seek to deceive. Woe the web we weave when first we seek to deceive. And that was a term I, I was a trial lawyer. I lived in the courtroom for 46 years. And whenever I caught uh, someone on the other side in a lie, or I found the whole case was full of lies, I'd go to that jury box in summation, and I'd look those jurors in the eyes very solemnly, very seriously, and I'd say, whoa, the web we weave when first we seek to deceive, showing that that person was a liar and that somebody else had a lie, and this whole thing gets convoluted. And I'd follow it up with, remember when you were kids, some of you, most of you, if not all of you, you took a pebble and threw it into a pool of water. And what happened when that pebble hit the water? A little circle formed around it, and then another circle around that circle, and a circle around that circle, and the circles got bigger and bigger and bigger. Because when you lie... You have to tell another lie to cover that lie, and then a bigger lie and a bigger liar. Each bigger circle represented the bigger lie to cover the initial lie. And when I did that, I was thinking Donald Trump, he lies all the time. I was thinking of Sean Hannity, who uh, should have brought forth that uh, he was involved with Cohen in some relationship of some sort. And now he does it. You know, you can lie without saying a word. Your silence can constitute a lie. Harry doesn't tell us about these other two lawyers. A minor thing, I agree. But he doesn't tell us about them. Now it comes out. His credibility factor is going down to zero tonight, Sean Hannity. I can't wait to hear him speak to this issue later tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, he's going to say it amounted to nothing. It was a bullshit thing, which it is. But the fact is, bring everything out. This is what it's all about. About, especially in the halls of government, which now brings me to James Comey. I think James Comey is a straight shooter. I agree he's a Boy Scout. I agree that he thinks he's too righteous, more righteous than most people, but I believe he is a righteous man. And I also believe he screws up occasionally because none of us is God like we all screw up at different times in our lives. Everyone. Well, he was on the, he was interviewed on TV Sunday night. And, you know, I think Trump is not stable. I think he's, I think he actually is not intelligent. Uh, a man who doesn't like reading things, he just wants to hear it. 
He's got to have great. He's got to have great retentive powers. Uh, this man doesn't seem to do anything right, but Comey found him to be mentally okay, no problem. Smart man has to be. Look at all the money he made. But he found him in a quote morally unfit to be president. Morally unfit to be president. And I started thinking. Kids watch TV all the time. They're glued to it. They also have their own little tablet tablets. They've got their own cell phones that are computers today. We don't know what the hell they're watching, what they're reading, what they're hearing. Uh, but I would say that kids in high school know what the hell's going on out in the world. They may not understand it all, but they know what's going on. And I would extend that into grammar school now to, uh, you know, the higher grades in grammar school. And I, I'm concerned about this peeing prostitute thing, you know, where it keeps coming up that, in 2013, when Trump was in Moscow for, what was it, Miss America, Miss Universe pageant, whatever, when he ran, he was in a hotel room with two prostitutes. Well, everyone in Russia knows, but Trump, who knows everything, didn't know this, that whenever dignitaries from another country came to Russia, <laughs> they were bugged in their hotel room. They were videotaped, and he had two prostitutes. And the word keeps coming up, peeing was involved, and now it's that the two girls peed on each other. Uh, whatever it is, uh, I, I give Trump credit. He's, he's bringing us to a new level or a new drop in sexual activity. Uh, I thought we all knew and had experienced everything there is to have experienced. But he's taken us to a different level. Whether it goes up or down, I'm not sure. Uh, with this being thing, and it's going to come out. And I hope there's a picture. I hope there's a video of this. I absolutely hope there's a video at the end because the man deserves to be embarrassed. Now, the media, ever since Comey's book came out a couple of days ago, it came out, it comes out technically, it came out technically today, but people had it early, as early as Thursday, I think. Uh, and on, in the media the past few days, the reporters, the reporters who normally I, I support on the liberal side, of course, uh, they're out there and they're trying to tell the truth. And we're, we're becoming aware of a lot of things that we didn't know about Trump and our government. Well, they're on Comey's ass because apparently he said three or four times in the book he made fun of Donald Trump. He had a small hand. His face was like orange. Uh, I don't blame the guy. Trump defecated on him, and he wants to get his... You know, he wants to get his punches in here. His book, let him do what he wants. But it was not the whole book. This book is, from what I understand, is full of all kinds of great information, interesting information. What am I trying to say, though? What the hell are all these reporters dwelling on this issue for the last three or four days? How Comey should not have conducted himself as he said. He should not have said what he said about Trump. When Donald Trump, in the last three years, has blasphemed half the world. He took on the Pope. He took on that Muslim family where the, the they're Americans. The father's a doctor. They lost a son in one of the wars. He takes everybody on. He craps all over them. He's not nice when he does it. And they talk about it at the time. But now if they want to talk about who says bad things about people, demeaning things, bring up what Trump said all these times. There's got to be at least 50 of these things out there. 
instead of the three or four combing head. And they're drumming it every day like they have nothing else to report. Makes me wonder if what Trump says about the media is correct. Uh, I, I Not really, but I do. It does make me wonder because they're wasting their time on this. It's pure garbage. Which now brings me to Trump Tower in New York. Donald Trump built Trump Tower in 1984. He opened it in 84. It's, I don't know, it's 60, 70 floors high. There was a fire two weeks ago on the 50th floor. One per, it was limited to one apartment, interestingly. One person died. Six firefighters were injured. No sprinkler system in the building. No sprinkler system. Well, you can't blame Donald Trump initially for that because the New York City building codes did not require a sprinkler system in buildings of this size. This reminds me of Towering Inferno. Uh, you don't, you didn't need them. And it wasn't until the late 1990s that the city code was amended to provide that you have to have uh, sprinkler systems. And if you don't have them in a building that's already built, you don't have to go put them in unless you're doing uh, renovations, and the statute says gut, G-U-T, renovations, which means you're cleaning things up to the wall. Now, the reason I raise this, and I do blame Trump in this regard, Trump, it is said, worked hard over the years against requiring sprinkler systems in all big buildings, including the buildings he was building and renovating, okay? And... Uh, even when they were going to put it in the 1990s into code that you had to have a sprinkler system, he went out and led the fight, well, we don't have to put it in buildings that are already constructed unless we do a gut renovation. I can't blame him. He's trying to save a buck here and there. What bothers me is that he ran on getting rid of uh, rules and regulations from through the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, because these various rules and regulations are driving uh, industry's crazy in this country. They're imposing costs on industry that they shouldn't have. Our companies would be more profitable. Many would stay here if they didn't have to face all of these. I question this, these rules and regulations. And now he's got Pruitt, who's spending money like a thief, uh, like a bandit, uh, who's out there uh, just writing these rules and regulations out. It's very simple. The rules and regulations are law, but not per se law. Congress passes a statute, then that statute has to have rules and regulations to follow. Uh, it may be 30,000 pages of rules and regulations for a law that only is one page long. And you've got to say how we know what's covered under that. And to get rid the way you get the rules and regulations, they're signed by the, the secretary of the EPA. So all he has to do, Pruitt, or the president can, is sign a piece of paper saying, I'm eliminating this regulation. And Trump goes around saying, I'm getting rid of these regulations, you know. But the regulations he's getting rid of were put there to protect workers, to protect consumers, safe air, safe water, uh, cut the carbon emissions from cars, cut the carbon smoke, the fossil smoke coming out of factory uh, chimneys, those big things. They're there to protect people. And they should be there. But just as he was against sprinkler systems in the buildings in New York for money reasons, for his business, 
he's against them for business people as president because he wants to save them money, make more money, not understanding that these rules and regulations were placed there to protect the American public, to protect the people working in those particular industries, okay? So the corporations are making more money, he says, because we're getting rid of these rules and regulations. Many companies that left because of these rules and regulations, and I don't buy it, but he says it, are now returning. Uh, And the corporations are making more money. They're making more money already as a result of this. They're endangering our lives in the meantime. Which now brings me to, this is sad. Guess who's going to visit Key West Thursday? Donald Trump. I don't understand why he's coming. He's coming to Key West only for two hours. He, he, he's flying in uh, to Boca Chica, the naval air base 10 miles out of, outside of Key West. He's getting in a car caravan. He's going to drive into Key West, and he's going to the Truman waterfront. May Truman not turn over in his grave. I know this is terrible what I'm saying. I'm being like James Comey. But who the hell wants him here? There are people that want him. He's the president of the United States. I just don't like the guy. I think he's getting us in deeper and deeper trouble. I'm afraid we're going to end up in a war someplace. Anyhow, he's coming down to visit the Joint Interagency Task Force South. Big words. Joint Interagency Task Force South. What are they involved in? It's a military group. Everybody, Coast Guard, Air Force, Navy, that are an anti-drug smuggling center, anti-smuggling center, especially for drugs. I know a lieutenant colonel 15 years ago. I knew him 10 years ago. I knew him five years ago until he retired. Now he moved to New Orleans, who was involved with this. He worked there for years. And they did a good good job. They were against smuggling, especially involved drugs, from Miami all the way south uh, to South America and back. Uh, now, I'm not quite sure why he's going there. He's only spending two hours. He, he's probably going to say they're keeping the immigrants out. That was one of their responsibilities. They're keeping the drugs out, and these people are doing a better job because of me. We are keeping out more people over the waters. We are keeping out more drugs over the waters because this group is doing a better job under my administration. Mark my words. He's a blowhard. Now, a little sad news, maybe a little good news. You won't have me to put up with next week. There will be no show next week. I have some minor medical procedure to undergo, a couple of them. And I will be incapacitated next Tuesday night. I will be incapacitated Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, no big deal uh, what I have to do, but it's something you have to do periodically. And uh, so there will be no show. I apologize now. I am telling you now, uh, no show next Tuesday. You get a week off from me, but don't forget to come back in two weeks. We are told that our workforce in the United States today is the most productive, the best educated, most productive in history, best educated in history, and unemployment is at an all-time low. I agree with everything. Our working people are productive, they are educated, and very well educated, 
And unemployment's what, 4.1%. I don't remember when we were down that low before. Good job. I don't know if he's responsible for all this, but good job. The only trouble is wages have been stagnated for 20 years. You know, corporate America is making more money. The people are getting more work out, working for a lower wage. Uh, people get educations, college educations, and they're working for some work in McDonald's. They can't get jobs, but most are working not at college graduate level pay, all right? So there is an there is, uh, unemployment is low. Women still work. Men here in Key West work two or three jobs. Women work a couple of jobs to support their families while their husbands are working also. Necessity of life. Why are wages still stagnant after 20 years? Because the rich have gotten richer, especially now under the Trump administration, while the poor get poorer. Trump's concern is for the rich all the time. It's not for the working person. Think about it, my friends. And that's why your wages are stagnant and continue to be stagnant. I want to tell you about a beautiful automobile, the Ford Mustang. It made its debut on yesterday's date in 1964 at the World's Fair in Flushing, New York. Okay? I was at that World's Fair in 1964. It made its debut. And on that same day in 1964, every Ford dealership in the United States showed for the first time the Ford Mustang. What a sexy car. The only way to describe it, it, it was a sleek, low, convertible, two-seater, mid-engine sports car. Ford sold 400000 the first year. My sister bought one right away. And every now and then I call her up and say, hey, <laughs> you want to drive my Cadillac? I'd like to drive your, uh, your Mustang. Uh, I've got to go here or there, and I'd enjoy I'd like you driving your Mustang. She'd let me take it. She'd bitch and moan, but she'd let me take it. It was called, the Ford Mustang was called, and I quote, the working man's Thunderbird. The working man's Thunderbird. Do you know how much it cost? $2,300. That was the price tag. Those were the days, okay? There was a movie made that year, a James Bond movie. Goldfinger, James Bond, drove the new Mustang in the movie, all right? Uh, the price tag's interesting, 2300 That was the price of things in those days. I bought my first new Cadillac in 1968. First new Cadillac. I was so excited. I never thought I'd ever own a Cadillac. I'd been practicing law eight years. I went. I got a Fleetwood Brome, four doors, black leather top, gray body. I still see that car. And I paid $8,400 for it, brand new. And I, the most, the better thing was I paid cash. I had the money in the bank to pay for it. Cars were not expensive then like are, they are now. 2300 for a Mustang, several years, four years later, 8400 for the biggest Cadillac you could buy. Uh, but that's the story of the Ford Mustang, and they're still making them today, but they're not that sleek beauty of yesteryear. All right. Uh, how's the time going here? i got a little more time here tonight. I want to talk quickly about sanctions, tariff wars. Sanctions and tariffs lead to fighting wars. I've said that before. But they, are also, they also result in or are the product of people who become fascists. 
fascist. Who's a fascist? Well, fascists are authoritarian figures. They're first authoritarian, then they turn to fascists. Hitler's the most well-known, but Tojo was one. Uh, Mussolini was one. Uh, Assad is one. Putin is one. The president of China is one. Maduro in Venezuela is one. These are men who think they are not omnipotent. They do anything. They can get away with murder. And before you know it, uh, we're in trouble and we end up with wars. That's all I want to say about that. But that we're there. We're at this point. Madeleine Albright wrote a wonderful article uh, on April 6th in the New York Times on this issue. She says we're going that way. And the reason we're going that way today towards fascist societies is because the world still looks to the United, looks to the United States for leadership. And Donald Trump is our leader. And he is an authoritarian figure leading to being a fascist. That's the show for tonight. If you haven't ordered my book, Irma and Me, please order it. Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, $14.95. You'll love it. It's about the hurricane. It's funny and it's serious. Please, Irma and Me. Uh, And that's about it. Thank you for joining me tonight. I can't see you next week, as I've already told you, but I will see you two weeks from tonight, my friends. Good evening.